0: Welcome to another episode of the Old Soul Movie Podcast, a show that features backgrounds, reviews, and reflections of some of the most influential movies ever made. And now your hosts, Emma and Jack.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Old Soul Movie Podcast. And today, we are going to be covering the 1945 film State Fair. Emma, how are you today on this July evening? It definitely feels like we're about to hit up a state fair. It has been quite a couple of weeks for us, but we're glad to be back, glad to be recording. And I can't wait to talk. (laughs) I really can't wait to talk about this movie with you tonight. So how are you, Emma? (laughs) How are you?
0: Me too. I'm doing well. Like you said, it's definitely been a couple of weeks for us. Um, for those of you that don't follow us on social media, our grandmother passed away last week, and we were unable to record a new episode last, for, uh, last weekend. But thank you so much to all the people that reached out to us or sent us your support. On social media, that was just—I was so touched by the messages. We so appreciate the support, and we had fun revisiting an affair to remember. We did—we did watch that one again last weekend, and that was definitely a good time. Uh, highly recommend it if you did not check that one out, both the movie and the podcast.
1: <laughs> it was—it uh, was very fun revisiting that movie, that episode, and again, thank you all for the support and for everyone who reached out to us to send their condolences. We really, really appreciate it. And that's what the old soul fam is all about. And, um, I guess just going forward, we don't know exactly what our schedule will look like. Maybe we're posting an episode every two weeks, uh, or so, but that's really just TBD to be determined. And so hit us up on social media, let us know what you want to see, what kind of episodes you want us to be doing, whether you want us to focus more on movie reviews or just general Hollywood, whatever sounds interesting to you, that's what we want to cover. And that's what we want to focus on here. So uh, thank you again for everything. And we cannot wait to kind of go forward. And the first step in that journey forward is state fair. Emma, this was somewhat of a listener requested episode, but How would you describe what we're about to discuss here tonight?
0: We're about to discuss a very adorable musical. Yes, thank you to the listener that suggested this one. Uh, You actually listed a few suggestions, and a couple of those were already on my list of movies I wanted to cover, so stay tuned for those. This movie is one that I had never seen, and I thought like, oh, how fun. Maybe we could both do like a little, you know, on YouTube when they do first impression videos. That's how I'm viewing this. I thought it'd be kind of fun for Jack and I, because I was guessing you had never seen this.
1: Shocker. Shocker!
0: Watch this one for the first time together and just spill out our thoughts because, yeah, I've, I've never seen it. And I like being introduced to things I've never seen before.
1: Yeah. Wait, wait before we go any further... Have to also put this note out there that I'm guessing not a lot of people have heard of this movie. So, for those of you who are unfamiliar with it, yes, it came out in 1945 and it is about the small town Frake family who attend the Iowa State Fair, the annual highlight of their summer. Son Wayne, played by Dick Hames, plots revenge on a Midway Barker, played by Henry Morgan, who had embarrassed him the summer before and falls for the beautiful singer. Emily, played by Vivian Blaine, while his melancholy sister Margie, played by Jean Crane, becomes smitten with the slick city boy reporter Pat, played by Dana Andrews. Meanwhile, Mother Melissa, played by Faye Banter, and Father Abel, played by Charles Winninger, plot to win their respective competitions. This was directed by Walter Lang. And Emma, why is this an important film? Why would someone want to pay attention to it?
0: Well, this is a work by the prolific Rogers and Hammerstein. Yes, the team that gave us The Sound of Music, The King and I, so many beloved classics. This is maybe a lesser known work, a less prominent known work of theirs. So I was excited to check it out. And I really think that this is such a fun summery themed movie. It definitely takes me back to those good old memories of going to the carnival when it's in town or whatever. Um, the fair, Yeah. Even well, the fair. if you're from the Midwest, uh, the County fair or the state fair in this case is definitely a really fun activity to do.
1: Shout out Galesburg, Illinois. Yeah.
0: Yes. So yeah, it was really fun for me to watch this because I think that it's just kind of a summer staple and it was fun to watch a movie about this quintessential tradition.
1: I, I completely agree. And I think that the scene in particular that stands out to me, if we're going to think about just like quintessential summer, <laughs> it was probably when they first get to the fair and they're yes. just showing sort of everything that's there. That was actually one of my favorite scenes from the entire movie. I think you could just really, you could hear what's going on you could really smell honestly through the screen like mm-hmm. the cotton candy and sort of the like the popcorn the, the popcorn <laughs> the peanuts all this like roasted stuff and so that to me was probably one of those like cool little moments uh everything else though i cannot wait to discuss because i have a lot of thoughts on this movie and i don't even know where to begin emma do you want to go over to the, the cast or maybe the the background of the story itself
0: Well, I guess we could go over the cast. Actually, this is actually a pretty talented cast. You might know some of the names. Yeah, we have Jean Crane as Margie Freak. And she is actually an Academy Award nominated actress for a role in a movie called Pinky. And that's just kind of an interesting little bit of Hollywood trivia because Pinky was the story of a white passing black girl and they were going to hire a black actress, but then there was a worry about that in the studio and they hired Jean Crane. So
1: because Gene Crane looks like she could be black potentially. <laughs> That's sarcasm. Yes.
0: Everyone. Yes. Um some some there's there is some um historical Hollywood whitewashing for you for your thesis collections out there. And we also have Dana Andrews as Pat Gilbert. Now, Dana Andrews, we haven't seen him in any of the movies we've covered yet, but we have mentioned a few of the movies he's been in. Uh, for example, he's been in Laura and Fallen Angel. Uh, those are two kind of film noirish type movies. He's definitely been in kind of that film noir category Uh, he was also in the best years of our lives and the North star, both of which we mentioned in our Hollywood after world war II* podcast episode. Uh, he was also in a few disaster flick genres. Yeah. So he, he's, he was actually a pretty well-known name at the time. So yeah, um, that would be a name that you would recognize, especially if you were watching this back in the day, uh, Dick Hames as Wayne Frake. Vivian Blaine as Emily Edwards, Charles Whittinger as Abel Freak, and Faye Bainter as Melissa Ma Frake. So those are kind of your um, big stars. Oh, we also have Phil Brown as Harry Ware. So pretty talented cast here, actually. But I think that if you're not as familiar with old Hollywood, some of these names wouldn't exactly... uh, Pull up a picture for you, like a Marilyn Monroe name or an Audrey Hepburn or a Bing Crosby or a James Dean. I feel like, you know, that would be something that a lot of people are familiar with Um, household names that transcend through today, but some of these actors might not be as readily available to picture.
1: Well, let's not forget Blue Boy.
0: Oh my gosh. How could I forget the star of the The, show? the
1: The actual star of the show, Blue Boy. The uh, the big boar, the pig of uh, of the Frake family who was raised by Ed S. Rennick of Pilger, Nebraska. Uh, Blue Boy is without a doubt my favorite character in the movie, and I guess just adding on to the note of the rest of the uh, the cast, I think that is why for me, this one, this film, sort of lost me at points. It was because I never really realized what. I guess the lack of maybe A-list, like AA list old Hollywood stars kind of brought to a movie, or maybe even B list. I don't really know what I would consider um, a lot of these stars. I think they've been in a few of the other movies and films that we've covered, but it's not like they were they never they never had a, I guess, such a prominent role as they did in this movie. And I, I guess I would say that this is enjoyable to watch in the summer. <laughs> and I could see, I guess, where the, the difficulties might have risen, uh, especially during the filming period, World War II was kind of wrapping up. So I didn't know if that had anything to do with budget issues or sort of the adaptation. There might've just been some limited factors that contributed to maybe why I didn't think that this was one of the better films that we had covered even though it's still enjoyable, I still enjoyed the ride.
0: Yeah, I think you've raised a really good point about this being filmed around World War II and changes to studios and stuff. Um, Circling back a little bit to the cast, something that is kind of interesting to me is that Dick Haynes and Vivian Blaine they did their own singing in this movie, but Jean Crane, her voice was dubbed by someone named Luann Hogan and Dana Andrews singing was dubbed by Ben Gage. And what I thought was particularly noteworthy was that Dana Andrews was actually a trained singer. I think even a trained opera singer. Uh, don't quote me on that. I think that might be right though. And, he did not tell the studio that he was a singer because he felt that his friend in the industry or his coworker Ben Gage needed the money. Interesting. Yeah, it was quiet on that to give someone else a little bit of a advantage.
1: This is a okay. This is a hilarious kind of side note. Has nothing to do at all with what Emma just said. But Dick Hames, the older brother, looks exactly like Charlie Munger. Uh, when he was a little older, I'm looking at a picture of him from 1966 and the glasses, he's like a dead ringer. So he also had a million wives. which is another fun <laughs> fact of Dick Hames. I think, okay, let's count one, two, three, four, five, six, six wives for Dick.
0: Wow. That's just, um, one short of Elizabeth Taylor <laughs> <I> know, <laughs> in he, terms of spouses. Quite,
1: quite the man. I, I always like knowing a little bit of the cast's background. Before watching a movie, because I always think it's a little bit more interesting.
0: Well, here's another one for you. Jean Crane was actually Hollywood's big party girl. I think she was dubbed Hollywood's number one party girl or something like that. Very popular, very uh, much of a social gal, from what yeah. I've heard.
1: <laughs> very cool. Yeah, no. And I guess just also along the lines, this movie, even though it might not be held in the same sort of regard as Gone with the Wind and a few of the other ones that we might cover. I think it's still special to a lot of people, even when I kind of see what's written online about it. A lot of people say that they still have their original VHS tapes of it and they just love the music. And I can I can see how this would be a really special movie to somebody, especially if they grew up with it. So
0: Totally agree.
1: If I say anything <laughs> and during the rest of the podcast, just know that it's coming from a good place and that I still respect the movie. It's just it's just not one of my personal favorites. So I may occasionally poke fun at it, jab at it a little bit here and there, but it's all coming from a good place. So Yeah, this Emma. is
0: one that I could really see maybe introducing to your kids when they're little and it being a family favorite or like a family classic. I don't know. I just thought it was so much fun. I thought it was really charming and sweet. And I didn't really know what to expect going into it. But yeah, I thought it was really adorable. Um, Side note, this was remade in the 60s. There was a first version in the 30s. Have not seen those, so I cannot give any insights to them. But if you have thoughts on the remake or the original, let us know. And on that note, I suppose it's worth mentioning that I believe this is based off of that screenplay from the
1: 30s. Exactly right. Exactly right. And Emma, anything else before we sort of get into the uh, the rewatch slash reactions?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I think it is uh, nothing to scoff at. This movie does have an Oscar. It won the Academy Award for Best Original Song for It might as well be spring, which actually got pretty stuck in my head (laughs) as I was watching it. So I don't know. I thought that was kind of a fun song. And then also, let me just throw this out there. We kind of talked a little bit before in a different episode, I think, on the differences between integrated musicals and backstage musicals. And MGM really kind of, I feel like, set the standard for an integrated musical. And this is something I would definitely put in the integrated musical category where the songs are just kind of part of everyday life. There's a few stage moments with Emily, I suppose, but that's neither here nor there. But this was done by Fox and not MGM. So I think you can actually see kind of a difference in, um, I don't want to say caliber, but style for sure between this and a meet me in St. Louis. This reminded me a lot in a sense of meet me in St. Louis or kind of a similar vein where it's very nostalgic and family oriented and about a family adventure. So I think if you'd like that movie, you would like this one, but know that um, it's definitely a different production team putting this one together than you would at an MGM musical.
1: Absolutely. I I totally agree and I think that for us especially, kind of in the same vein as Mimi in St. Louis, it feels like a Midwestern American movie. It sure you know what I mean? Does. <laughs> so, it might be difficult maybe for other people to kind of understand it or resonate with it, but I think that it does give a very rosy tinted picture of a classic Midwestern state fair. And so Emma, is there anything else that you would like to add before we kind of get into the rewatch slash reactions?
0: No, I'm pretty excited. And I hope that you guys love the magic of this cute little musical as well.
1: Awesome. Okay, so I say rewatch slash reactions because this is not going to be sort of a typical old soul movie podcast, you know, format, maybe. Uh, I think that with this movie in particular, and because it's a musical, it's a little bit easier to follow. You can really just kind of chop up the like the the sort of subplots that are happening because there's not really one major plot other than the fact that it's just covering a bunch of family members' experiences at a state fair. Yeah, you say that's you know fair, Emma.
0: Yes, I would say that there are short stories in one big common thread (laughs) and each character has their own motivation.
1: Okay. Okay. Perfect. So sort of going along those lines, we are introduced to the Frake family and we get our little setting here in Iowa right before the Iowa state fair, which is apparently the highlight of the summer for this fam. Uh, Emma, what are sort of our initial reactions to everybody? What, what do we think? What do we think here?
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. I've never seen this movie before, obviously. But when I started watching it, it just felt really familiar and nostalgic for me, like I have lived it or seen it or something like that. It brought just like these homey, cozy memories of the summertime. So that was really kind of a fun start. Like Once once it started rolling, I'm like, okay, yeah, I feel I want to see what happens. And I just love me a beautiful bucolic setting. What can I say? I, I love it. And on that note, the daughter Margie is giving me a little bit of Belle from Beauty and the Beast, maybe a little bit of Dorothy Gale vibes uh, stuck in this rural setting, but wanting something more exciting out there. But also she's a little old school, so... Curious to see how her love interest stuff plays out. And I've got to say, Blue Boy the pig is everything. The second I saw that pig, I swear if anything happened to that pig, I was going to riot. He was adorable. He's just like the cutest little thing I've ever seen. And by little, he's huge. And I don't, and Wayne the brother, okay, I don't know the name of, or I don't know who that is that you said he reminded you of. But the whole time I felt the same way. I was like, gosh, she just like reminds me of someone or something, but I can't put my finger on it. And I kind of narrowed it down to a mix between Shooter McGavin and Greg Brady (laughs) with like something else. Mm. (laughs) I don't know what that something else is, but he was an interesting one. That's for sure.
1: The Shooter McGavin comment is (laughs) all time. That is a great, great comment, Emma. But this beginning really has me conflicted because we are introduced to the Frank family, which will be tough to remember to say correctly this entire podcast. I'm going to say Frank. I swear. Frank could have just been Frank.
0: It's like Duke Manatee all over again.
1: (laughs) Exactly. But like you said, Big Blue, our our man's uh, blue boy uh he uh, honestly my favorite character my favorite character <laughs> maybe it's because he doesn't sing
0: I love an anthropomorphic animal
1: <laughs> I know. he really is uh he somehow matches his breathing and grunts to the beats of the music um <laughs> when it's appropriate but yeah we're I mean we're introduced to, to the, basically the entire family and I was very confused I keep in mind I was paying attention it was not on my phone it was like giving it my my whole you know focus and i thought that the brother and the sister were together like i didn't realize <laughs> God, the fact that uh, you know that they weren't related and i we we don't get enough time honestly with what's what's margie's boyfriend it's not even aunt harry, harry. we don't get enough time with harry we don't really get enough time with wayne's girlfriend that is apparently a a a big character. Like I guess I enjoy the the parents just because they're kind of country, but
0: <laughs> they were really cute.
1: I mean right away I think you could tell that this was going to be somewhat of a limited production just because the shots are constant. They don't change at all. They don't move, like they are just stationary in place. It feels very much like you're watching a play, which is ironic because this was basically written for film, uh, for Rodgers and Hammerstein. I
0: don't know for sure, but I wonder if there was a little bit of a thought that this might be a vehicle for a stage musical. Like, oh my gosh, I love that movie. Let's make it a musical.
1: To me, it's pretty clear that this was probably going to be something that was either adapted to or it would have been adapted from the stage. Like, to me... it did not feel like I was watching a movie, which is fine. But it just really made it difficult, I think, to focus on what was going on. Like, I mean, one of the things that comes to mind was just when Margie, the daughter, was singing It Might As Well Be Spring. Like, it's a beautiful song, but it's really just a close-up on her face, like sitting down for however many minutes. And that's kind of how I felt with a few of the other songs too. Um, So for me it was kind of difficult. And maybe this is just the modern eye, you know, we're used to fast-paced everything now. Uh, this is very much more relaxed. And so if you're not in the mood to sit down and like enjoy a bunch of colors, because it is a very colorful movie, <laughs> I think you you might struggle with it. So
0: I think that that just goes to show why MGM was so successful in their integration of like those songs into everyday life. They included instruments. They included the setting. This really did focus on person set. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, like, let's just put you in this picture and sing that that's like a big difference that I can tell. Uh, yeah, and I guess it does feel like I, get, I can see your critique of it feeling a little fast. It kind of killed me when Margie pretty much announced her presence within seconds of coming into the barn. And he's like, why didn't you tell me you were there? <laughs> like she did. Mm, I know. Uh, <laughs> I also, I don't know. I kind of liked the scene with her and Harry on the porch swing I got a kick out of the impressions in her head of her dream men, like Charles Boyer and Bing Crosby. And uh, I forget the other one, but each of them sounded just like the person that they were trying to impersonate in her head. Hmm. So I, I thought that that was spot on, pretty stellar. I think if you're a fan of old Hollywood, that'll like bring a smile to your face, maybe. And I don't know, these kids are fickle lovers, let me tell you. Just right away, once it was like, oh, my boyfriend can't go, oh, my girlfriend can't go. Uh, You know, it looks like when the cats are away, these mice will play. And you know what? This might be a hot take, but Harry is a man of the future. I I see a forward thinker there who's going to have a very successful farm, maybe.
1: You know, I'm sure Harry did have a very successful farm, and he he was talking about prefabricated plastic, you know, uh, what was it called? Um,
0: linoleum like, floors. Yeah. L-
1: linoleum floors and all the stuff. So Machines. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure Harry did well. And he found his own, uh, very nice wife. And I'm sure that Margie is, was freezing, uh, many nights in the future with her old creaky house. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I love a good old, you know, abode, but, uh, yeah, Harry, Harry was a man of the future. But yes, moving forward, or I guess you know, moving to the actual fair, it's really strange because the character development seems a little off to me. We're at the fair right, right from the get-go. I mean, the the plots, everything seems just a little thin to me, maybe. Um, like I'm thinking of Wayne, the son, like in this weird kind of vendetta that he has about some carney. Um, like the ring <laughs> game, like he wants, the the, ring game. he wants revenge for the ring game. And so he's like absurdly good at it. Um, like for almost 80% of the movie, like there was no conflict at all. Like everything, everything <gasps> okay. was going to plan. Like they were winning, they were winning these contests. Like the only thing that was somewhat of a conflict was blue boy, like not wanting to get up in his pen. And then getting up once he sees Lady Esmeralda, the female pig, like that was it. That was the tensest (laughs) action we had. Like, this is pretty much a feel good movie, like no badness.
0: Yeah, I I was going to say the same exact thing structurally. This is very interestingly written because... Most screenplays or written works are kind of like a roller coaster where you, you get excited and then there's a valley, peaks and valleys, and uh, it keeps you on the edge of your seat kind of the entire time. This is really just like, a like you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. We're watching Oprah. Um, <laughs> for most of it, until the end. <laughs> then it's like, what? But having said that, I guess, I think this is one that would be maybe easy to follow for a young mind, because it really is like a couple love stories, a couple, you know, stories about wanting to win the big prize. And then there's victories all
1: around. Literally kind non, of, kind non-stop of. victories, non-stop <laughs> victories. Yeah, so it is pretty much a, a constant stream of just kind of like you're at a state fair, just non-stop sweetness um, between the son, Wayne, winning and getting his revenge in under like three minutes at this Carney station and then meeting <laughs> this redhead singer who, uh, is a mysterious kind of like love interest. And then, uh, young Margie also meeting her love interest and everything is just, everything goes way too well. Like the mom wins the, you know, the food <laughs> tasting contest, the pickles and mince meats. It, it is a certain type of movie and you just have to be prepared. For that.
0: Um also I want to edit myself really quick. There is a little bit of um dated language maybe here and there or not the most progressive in terms of social justice. That is just something to keep in mind and to screen. Uh but yeah, I agree. I think that it, that was really funny from a writing standpoint. But I want okay, so like let's take Wayne meeting Emily. First of all, I think if this was to be redone today, somehow, some way, I could see like an Emma Stone being an Emily. I don't know why. Maybe it's just like red hair, but I saw a similar vibe. And I thought that the pickup line was actually pretty cute of since you helped me to get my money back. Why don't you help me spend it? I love that. And I don't know the roller coaster scene. I just, it was the funniest thought it's people like that couple on the roller coaster that wanted to sit together and then ended up having Margie and Pat sit together. That made me think how crazy it is that chance events for other people could influence your life. Mm. I don't know. I just thought that that was just like maybe a way more deep thoughts. Yeah. Most people have while watching this.
1: Well, it's kind of like that thing that you secretly hope always happens. Like you hope that you're always going to like, if you're in a situation where you have to sit next to a random person that they're around your age or mildly attractive. Like at the airport, there's always sexual tension between you and anyone else your age. I saw that in a tweet and thought it was hilarious. Um, But (laughs) yeah, I feel like that's exactly what happened to Margie here. Not only that, but she was dangerously irresponsible on the roller coaster, like standing up on the drop. A couple
0: like putting your heads down
1: yeah, and- yeah. Just very questionable sort of actions. And I think if there was any kind of uh, reason why, I guess, seat belts and extra lap bars and chest bars were introduced to rides, I That's think this, this, yeah, Margie in this movie could be a, a pretty good uh, place to kind of circle back to you to find out why those were needed. But uh... it was,
0: it was fun. It really, it really took me back to, you know, the good old days at our local uh, like child oriented amusement park that we went to growing up and the, you know, the kitty roller coasters that, you know, made me think of that. So that was fun. And I also, okay. So the character of Pat Gilbert, he just, I thought he was so interesting or like an interesting choice because when I see that character, he strikes me as that very film noirish, you know, I don't give a care kind of guy. And so when I'm seeing this character in this movie, I feel like this character got lost on the set list and just ended up in this story. So I thought that that was just funny to me.
1: Yeah. He's very broody, I would yeah. say. Like, he's a very broody guy. And um, I, I guess it fits because he's supposed to be like this city slicker. Yeah. Character. And um well, I guess I didn't know if it was just gonna be a movie of perpetual happiness or if there was <laughs> gonna be some type of conflict that arose. And um I'm I'm happy, I'm pretty happy that it occurred with uh with our man's Wayne, the son. I'm always gonna try to refer to them as like who you can kind of remember them by, but yeah. Uh, yeah, Wayne the son, when he's with Emily. And uh, they, they go into like the room or whatever it was with the rest of the Tim Timothy's or whatever like the they're birthday called. party, the Tommy Tom, Tommy Thompson's, whatever you the know, band's I called. I
0: can't remember.
1: Yeah. with T2T's though. I think it was the, well, it was the birthday party that somehow, again, the writing really made it off to me because she told him to wait outside and then he ends up inside. Don't know. I just don't know how this happens. But anyways, um, I love how he just punches this guy like mid argument. It's just so random. And they're I, men. Yeah, I, I guess they were uh, they were better, manlier men back then. Um, less <laughs> Toxic words, masculinity. Fists. And uh, I, I mean this this random music business guy who just <laughs> I, shows I do, up. I do kind of like the uh, I guess the. The writing choice of you know like this music business guy giving him the song and then like him just you know whipping out a song in his pocket and this guy's quirky little remark like oh you weren't ready to sing like I did think that that was kind of funny that was probably <laughs> the only part besides like Blue Boy that yeah. I thought was pretty funny that um, was
0: clever writing and I've got to say <laughs> first of all I was a little naive myself I really wasn't familiar with the concept of a song plugger so. That made me feel like a little fool. Um, but I actually really liked the song, Isn't it kind of fun? That probably might be my favorite from the movie. It was weirdly refreshing to hear a song about non-committal romance of that time yeah. <laughs> versus like, I don't know. I liked it. I liked it. I thought it was a really sweet tune, a little ditty. But <laughs> let's talk about the greatest love story of all in this movie. The romance.
1: I know exactly (laughs) what you're going to (laughs) say.
0: The romance between Blue Boy and Esmeralda. Oh, man.
1: This is what we've been waiting for. (laughs) If you've been listening for however many minutes so far, you've come to the actual meat in the heart of what this movie is. And that is Blue Boy, the pig, and his lady, Esmeralda. Emma, what do we think of this just amazing love story?
0: Oh, my gosh. Possibly
1: tragic. (laughs) By the end of it,
0: (laughs) I know. I guess we didn't really take into account Blue Boy's feelings into this $5 bet. Um, (laughs) That's okay. Blue Boy was a big boy, so cute. And that second that that adorable little russet colored lady pig came out, I knew it was game over for him and that there was just going to be an epic love story between these two. (laughs) And they're little talking to each other oh. through the thing. My heart, I like I haven't felt this way about pigs since Charlotte's Web. I, somebody writes some pig out there because this boy is a winner and he has his love, his lady love. All I want them to do is like get married and pig worlds <laughs> and have little piglets.
1: I know. That sounds like a Rick and Morty episode or something, but <laughs> uh yeah, I I agree. I agree and while I was watching it, I could only just empathize with blue boy because I've been a little stuffy, you know, allergy season has been very real here. And, uh, you know, my breathing hasn't been great. And so when I saw blue boy (laughs) on the ground, just heaving, I was, I was like, I feel you there, blue boy. I'm right there with you. I wouldn't want to be at the fair. I would want to just be hanging at the farm probably. But when we're getting to the actual contest, that's when I'm like, all right, Surely, this has to be where we get some conflict, <laughs> surely, you know, Esmeralda's not going to be on the scene. And then some way, somehow, Blue boy, <laughs> he just collapses mid, mid contest, mid like best in show, whatever you're you're showing. I don't even know what you call it. But anyways, he does still win spoiler alert, huge spoiler alert. Um, I thought something was gonna happen. like, I I really did think that um, we were going to see kind of like Esmeralda, like run into the the ring or something crazy, something crazy and cute. But in a way, this movie just kind of felt like a bunch of little letdowns to me. Like there (laughs) there could have been so many ways of going about these things just felt like a bunch of letdowns. Any any thoughts here?
0: Um, yes. Here's what I thought I was going to get with the pig story. And I thought that this was going to be the big climax. I thought we were going to get a Romeo and Juliet love between blue boy and Esmeralda. And I thought that they were going to be pitted up against each other. I thought they were both going to be the finalists. And that I thought that like something would happen in which it's not even like, forget the contest. This is about love. Mm. And the pigs just run to each other and defy their farmer owners. And they have to settle for a tie. I thought it'd be one of those things where it's like, maybe it's not what I wanted, but it's what I needed for Abel, the farmer dad.
1: Yeah. So Why, I why does, why like does Abel need to win a $5 bet? Like everything you just said right there is a 10 times better ending slash script, slash writing decision <laughs> than what actually happened. And so this movie, in true character, in true form, really does feel like one letdown after another. Oh like I will up- say
0: it was really cute when Esmeralda showed back up. And I love the zoom in on her face. That's like a little dolly zoom on her little oinking the, nose.
1: There were so many dolly zooms in this. It really like got out of hand. But uh, I mean, in, in the same vein of letdowns, I want to talk about Wayne and Emily really quick and how we find out that Emily basically is a player, a lady player and that she low key has a hobby back home, but they've been separated for a year. And I know times were different back then, but immediately Wayne's like out of the picture, even though they, I I guess they're separate, you know, they're not together anymore, but it's just done. It's just done. As soon as he hears that, and so I'm a little confused as a modern viewer. I'm like, bro, why don't you just keep going at it? <laughs> then, like, what's preventing you? They're you're not. They're not together anymore.
0: Well, I was actually surprised at the inclusion of that storyline. I feel like the code would have mm. something to say about that, but I guess not because they didn't end up together. But I was picturing some sort of final goodbye. A little, a little bit of closure would have been nice. I'm not going to lie. Uh, a little bit of a like maybe instead of Wayne going off drunkenly with McGee, you know, to for Emily to have stopped by his place. And maybe they sing, is not it kind of fun one more time or something like a little reprisal. And then they go their separate ways and just leave it at that, that they had a little fun. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not the writer. But... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. That was a that was a shocking, a shocking turning point. So that would be a little bit more of a tragic dip in the roller coaster element of the story. If it's like literally all highs and maybe plateaus, that'd be a dip, I would Mm -hmm. say. Here's another family motive that went down: the mother's cooking contest, the pickles and the mincemeat. Now they're okay, that was a little bit of an a up-and-down thing when the rival won for the sweet pickles. I thought the rival was going to win for the sour pickles as well, but okay. I'll be darned. Okay. i
1: was shocked. Emma, let me, let me ask you a question. Was it ever truly up in the air as to who was going to win that contest?
0: Okay, there were three food categories. Sweet pickles, sour pickles, and mincemeat. I knew we were going to get one. I thought we were going to lose two out of the three. I thought that the pickles were going to be game. I thought the pickles were going to be game over. And the mincemeat then you have this added tension because they both accidentally added brandy to the dish. So in in theory, you know, it's kind of screwed. The recipe is messed up. So you go into it like biting your fingernails like, oh no, how's this going to go? And quite frankly, when the judges were tasting that mincemeat, I had a little bit of a key and peel moment in that skit about the chef tasting. I thought I could, I could read the judges. Like I knew the one was really into it, but the other two did not seem too impressed. So I will say I was expecting the mince meat to be a win. Uh, Did not expect the sour pickle to win.
1: (laughs) Okay. Okay. Here's the thing. Everything you just said is, sort of the setup to great comedy and great conflict. It's like what you expect versus the unexpected thing that actually happens. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm literally watching the judges like go for seconds and thirds of freight, like mama freaks food. I would and say they
0: looked super happy though, except for the one,
1: but still like, I felt like you just knew, I felt like you just knew. Or yes, that, you know. that, that's what you would expect. That's <laughs> but it's what you like would when expect. you're watching
0: a rom-com and, you know, they're going to end up together. It's like,
1: but yes, that's a, a comedy. It's like, there are some things that happen that you don't expect or it's like, you know, you're getting set up and then it's like woof, left field comes in. This is literally just like putting a ball on a tee and you know exactly what you're going to get. Like I, I really, I, it's, it's a fine movie. It's a fine structure. But to me, it's just missing a lot of, I think, like, it's missing a lot of comedy. I think what you said about Blue Boy was perfect. I think that would have been a perfect ending. Um, and, and instead, we get maybe maybe this is a drama because we see Blue, Big... I'm going to always call him Big Blue. You see Blue Boy, you know, riding away in his little truck. And then Esmeralda. Goodbye to Esmeralda. Yeah, it, it's, tragic. It's, it it's summer, tragic. it's It's summertime sadness. It's almost as sad as Gatsby. You didn't um, end up
0: with this lady either. And no one thinks about Blue Boy in this, do they?
1: And and will either of them be at the next fair next year?
0: Who knows? I need um, a sequel. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <But laughs> Going back to the food thing, how would you rewrite that?
1: Maybe for one, don't mention, like, who's who when you're taste, like, like oh. they would say, like, who's who. Exactly. Like, oh, they're tasting yours now. And (laughs) like, they're eating a million like bites of it. It's like, obviously they like it. And so to me, there was just no kind of hidden tension. Like you could still have everything play out how it played out. But yeah, I struggled. I struggled a little bit with it. But this
0: is a weird thought that's just coming to mind. And I don't know how much I like it or not, but maybe like an accidental mix up of the pickles or something. And maybe she accidentally won more award than she should have. And then she comes to terms with it and then gives it to the rival and like realizes she's, I don't know. I don't That's wholesome.
1: know. That's a little wholesome. I'm Too thinking wholesome maybe stuff. I'm thinking maybe you could have like a mix up in the moment. And then later on in the movie, like come back where the judge is like, oh, and then that gives him a reason to stick around other than being like this creepy creep who like is so in love with the mincemeat that he, he just became decides. Obsessed. He literally becomes a little stalkerish. By the end of it,
0: <laughs> so that ends up being the mom's downfall. She was just yeah. too good, and maybe being too good, too good is not good.
1: <laughs> maybe that's the the theme and the moral of the story here. Maybe a little <laughs> too good is not that good. <laughs>
0: uh, I'll say this though: I nothing shook me more than the line when the mom is coming out with her plaque, her big major award, and then she says something along the lines of. I just won the most any woman could achieve in life. I was like, whoa. That
1: is. I <laughs> almost just spit out my drink Thanks. listening to that. I totally <laughs> forgot about that line. But that's hilarious. And that just goes to show you 1945. Yeah. Iowa. Also, Iowa. I the Iowa song really for some reason just bugged me. Iowa.
0: It was not my favorite in in the in the mix. And given I am not from the state of Iowa, I don't know if that is a treasured nickname or not. But Iowa, I I feel like I would have liked maybe something else there. I don't I, know what.
1: I personally could not wait for that song to end. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> that that could have just been me. Um,
0: <laughs> but I will say the costumes and the dancing was really cute.
1: The costumes, the choreography is actually pretty, pretty decent. Uh, And again, it's very colorful. It's going to sound like I'm making fun of this movie constantly. But that's kind of what the fun of this movie is. It's like watching it collectively. If you watch this alone, you're going to be super frustrated because you're not going to have anybody to talk about it with. But if you watch (laughs) it and you listen to this podcast like you've you've been doing for the last however many minutes... Or you like convince a friend somehow to watch it with you, uh, <laughs> then you're gonna have a good time because you're just gonna talk about how ridiculous it is.
0: It's cheesy. It's cute. It's corny. It's all of these kind of silly little things. But I think that's why I liked it. It was, or I thought I had fun with it because I thought it was just this big old goober of a movie. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I guess we should zero in on really the maybe like the main romance, even though I think that Blue Boys and Esmeraldas may be far superior.
1: <laughs> but, it is far superior. Far superior. But yes, Emma, let's wrap it up with uh with Pat and Margie.
0: I actually I I thought it was a charming little love story. I liked this little love story in the bunch. You've got the bad boy with all these girlfriends and you have the country girl who just wants to see the world. Uh, I don't know. I thought it was just fun between the meet cute on the roller coaster and her kind of walking away. And I actually really like Margie's costumes throughout the whole movie. They were beyond fun. I really liked the kind of the play on the Dorothy Gale one, the blue gingham one. It was kind of like a little, little little bit of a sexy Dorothy outfit, I would say. I also, I knew where it was going. The second he said, I first of all, I kind of admire that he openly admitted that he ghosts his girlfriends. Not a lot of guys say that at the, the forefront, do they now? But the second he let me know that, I knew that this was going to be the hill that this couple had to climb together. Uh, I knew, I just had this feeling that there would be a a miscommunication or a wrong place, wrong time, or some sort of mix up where he would accidentally ghost her. Uh, But he actually did kind of purposely ghost her a little bit, I would say. He did choose Chicago, but he changed his mind of sorts.
1: Yeah, Sema. Yes, that is the, I guess, love story of the movie. It is the the poster of the movie. Uh, for some reason, it I feel like it barely has any kind of screen time. In a way, I feel like this is really just a movie of a bunch of anthologies. And if you think of it that way, maybe you'll enjoy it more. But yeah, <laughs> I I do like. I I will say this. I will say this. My favorite shot of the movie is probably when. Both of their cars are meeting at the very end. Like I the, know. Ugh, I just gotta chill. <laughs> so I'm, cute. I'm, I'm a sucker, I'm a sucker for a good long shot. And that one was, I will say, very well done.
0: And the state fair billboard. Ah, oh.
1: yeah. Probably because it was like the most unique shot of the movie. And it was different than the rest of them. It didn't feel like it was a like it didn't feel like it was a a stage set. So well done.
0: Not to end on a really, like, sour note, but I would yeah. say the most dissatisfying part of this movie was that poor girlfriend of Wayne's that he was very quick to almost leave and propose to someone else. And he's in the car hugging his girlfriend, who he kind of cheated on. Dude. How did how did that pass code regulation, I want to say? Maybe a little sexism. I don't know. But what the hell i i i wanted maybe a conversation maybe him saying he's confused maybe a breakup maybe something a little (laughs) gloomy there and she's just gonna live her life forever (laughs) thinking nothing (laughs) went down it's it's it's
1: hilarious because we're not supposed to think that anything's wrong with it um (laughs) which is just you know like a great a great message to, to send your children. Um, it's almost
0: villainizing I, Emily who's just I, in a bad marriage and she's confined to the social constructs of the time.
1: I, I'm so happy you brought this up because it made absolutely no sense to me. It made absolutely no sense. And I had to go back to the beginning of the movie to watch and see if that, like that girlfriend made any kind of screen time at the and beginning. He, he she was, did, but it was pissed like- at
0: her for her mom being sick and being unable to go. <laughs> Guy's an ass. This relationship isn't gonna last. I can tell you that.
1: I I just I love I love how ridiculous it is. I love how it doesn't make any sense, and I love how just blissfully, like blindly optimistic this yeah, everything is. It's just I
0: would have been okay with a shot of him like knocking on our door and being like, Hey, I screwed up (laughs) the last three days. But I want to try to be better going forward. Like I would that would be that would be cool to me.
1: You know what we get? We got a top-down original like little convertible, you know, flying hair in the wind, smiles all around. Not a care in the world, baby. That's just the, that's the way the state fair rolls. I just Until want to warn year. this
0: girl, you know?
1: You know, just absolute, just terrible. So that's the state fair, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, see you next
0: no. time. Okay. <laughs> for, for, for real though, for real though, I really did have a good time watching this. This is definitely one I will throw on maybe in the summer. If, even if I'm just like looking for something short to watch or maybe something in the background and if it is free, especially that would be good. Um, it was only available for rent by the way, but yeah, I thought, I thought it was really fun and cute and whimsical. The costumes. Excellent. A plus the, singing voices, the dubbed ones, really good songs. I think there are some good ones, some catchy ones, some like not favorites, not Roger and Hammerstein's best work and blue boy. I'm rooting for that pig more than anyone in this world. And I just, that was really, really precious.
1: (laughs) Hey, Hey, come for the fair, stay for blue boy. That is the motto. And that's what we can get out of this episode folks. So I kind of hate how I can see that this is going to become like a a family tradition or like a family (laughs) staple because uh, to me, I don't know how I feel about this movie personally, but I do think it is 10 times more enjoyable if you discuss it with someone after you watched it.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: (laughs) That's all I'll say.
0: Watch with company.
1: (laughs) Yes. Watch with company. Absolutely. And in the middle of the summer, because I feel like the vibes are on point. So
0: it really made me feel like a touch of home, like a taste of home.
1: For sure. Definitely. Emma, Is there anything else that you would like to add before we sign off here?
0: No, just thank you again so much, everyone, for the love and support that you showed us. I know that our recording schedule was a little off lately, but I've been loving the recommendations, all the suggestions. We're definitely going to try to fit them all in as much as possible, for sure. And yeah, let us know. If you want anything in particular or even like a specific subject matter of old Hollywood covered, that would be kind of fun to research. And yeah, we're hoping, I'm hoping that we can get more guests on. That would be fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And Uh, If you want to reach out to us, feel free to hit us up on social media, Old Soul Movie Podcast on Instagram, Old Soul Pod on Twitter. Uh, If you would like to contribute to us monetarily, we would graciously, graciously accept anything that you would be able to provide at our Patreon, Old Soul Movie Podcast. And please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts if that is your preferred streaming method or listen to us on Spotify, share with a friend, recommend it. Uh, Just... Please help grow the Old Soul Fam. That's all we ask. And uh, we really hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you again for all of your patience. We know that this has been sort of spotty, not our usual programmed uh, release schedule, but we really appreciate all the love and support that you've all provided. And Emma, yes, one last thing. Oh,
0: just another uh, reminder plug I'll put out there. If you have a birthday coming up, let us know. We'd be so excited to give a shout out.
1: (laughs) I second that. So yes, please give us a DM or some kind of notification. Uh, you know, tell us what you want us to shout out and we would really love to do that for you.
0: We love connecting all the time.
1: Yes. And so until next time, old soul fam, thank you so much again, take care, and we will see you very soon on the old soul movie podcast.